something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's over there. And this is the 2016 Stuff You Should Know Super Christmas Holiday Spectacular Glad Tidings Edition. <laughs> In 3D. <laughs> oh, nice. And Stinkovision. Nice. smell vision That was a real thing, you know. Yeah, it was. It was a great idea that didn't really pan out very well. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, no, it it, it it didn't pan out very well. Well, yeah. <laughs> funny. I know what you meant. Uh, so, my friend, I look forward to this every year. Yeah, me too. Because, uh, as I've said before, I save up my vacation and take an elementary school break mm-hmm. for a solid three weeks at the end of every year. Right. Which also means you get a bit of a break. Yeah, it's a de facto decision on my behalf as well. Uh, and uh, this is it. After, in, in one hour roughly, you're not going to see me again till next year. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like to get small over the holidays. That's cool, man. I don't blame you. I, I do too. Just hole I, up I, in the I'm house. Secretly, I'm secretly fine with you making that decision for me. I know this you particular are. one. Yeah. So, uh, are you, so are you full of cheer, glad tidings? Well, I'm in a silly Wassel? mood, so this will. Oh, who, who knows where this goes? How's Jerry? Jerry, you feeling pretty happy? She is. She's good. Just gave a thumbs up. Yep. She's fresh faced. Pushy tailed. <laughs> are her halls decked? Oh yes, <laughs> double decked. Well, I uh, I guess we should welcome everybody, Chuck, to the Christmas Spectacular. Tell you, first off, to um, be sure to start a fire somewhere in your house. Yes. Uh, put on a sweater, maybe. Put on some slippers. Put on pajamas. Mm-hmm. Make Soft yourself clothes. some eggnog, hot butter rum, something like that. Mm-hmm. And just uh, sit down and enjoy yourself. Yeah. And uh, we, we uh, our holiday special every year, we like to cover... I'm always afraid we're going to recover something, which I actually pitched something we had already covered. I've got a list, so don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's ring in the holiday cheer. Hey, also, we should say, if there are any um, uh, little true believers among you, you may not want to let them listen to this one. Well, yeah. Um, I was going to give a, a warning. They can listen to most of it, but there is one feature of the show mm-hmm. where uh, where you may not want your kids to listen to some of the detail 
the deets. And we're going to give you a warning before that comes on. Yeah. So you can. It'll, it'll sound like this. Ring-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> That's the Christmas warning. Bell. All right. Let's do it. All right. Everybody sit back as we begin our annual Christmas special. So, Chuck, we're going to hop in our uh, over there sleigh. Uh, and head on over to um, Catalonia. Yes. You know, parts of Spain. Parts of Spain. Uh, <laughs> part of Spain. <laughs> and there's a Catalan tradition. Um, there's a couple of them, actually, that are really interesting and are scatological yes. in nature. Um, and the first one is called Cagatillo. Yeah, I had never heard of this, but um, I put out, and, and you'll see later in the show, we put out a call on Facebook for some unusual family traditions. Mm-hmm. From listeners, and a couple of people mentioned this, like mm-hmm. saying, "We don't do this, but I've heard of it, and it's really strange." Yeah, it's definitely a thing um, in in large parts of uh, Spain, Portugal, even some parts of Italy too, uh, from what I understand. But specifically in the Catalan region of Spain, yeah, uh, cagatillo, which means um, poop log, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Catalan, um, is a it's a Christmas tradition that starts on December eighth when the family gets around and well they've gone out I think either made one or they purchased a cagatillo which is a log with a face on it. Yeah, I get the idea that part of the fun and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, mm-hmm. Spanish among you, but part of the fun is is making it with the family. Sure, but um, I'm sure you can buy them though as well. Right, fully even fully you, featured. Even if you bought one fully featured, there's still some some ritual that you, the family, have to go through that would be kind of fun. Exactly. So with with Cagatillo, with the log, he's got a face, uh-huh. but very importantly, he also has two front arms. Uh-huh. So he's kind of propped up, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you bring Cagatillo home, he also has that um that the standard Catalan red uh, kind of overhangy hat yes, cap, the baratina. Right? Yes, exactly. Um, and so they, the family brings him home, and on December 8th, they get him prepared for the Christmas season, right? Mm-hmm. They wrap him in a blanket. That's very nice. And um, they, they basically wrap him from what would amount to the waist down in a blanket to keep him warm. <laughs> to keep him warm and to maybe incubate what dwells inside of the log. Yeah. Because that's where we're headed with this. They feed this thing, uh, orange peels. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Spanish nougat called the Torón. Is that right? Yeah. And apparently, as tradition is held, the more you feed uh, the cagatillo, uh, the more gifts it will bestow to you through the traditional route, which means out of the rear end. Right. So the kids, every night while they're caring for cagatillo, and I imagine probably more than just every night, I'll bet this thing gets fed a lot of orange peels and nougat. Um they feed it, and, uh, and uh, as the Christmas, I guess Christmas Day, I also saw Christmas Eve approaches. Uh-huh. Um, they uh, they prepare to extract the stuff from Cagatillo, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they do that by by um, hitting Cagatillo with sticks, uh-huh. and they have a traditional chant. You want to you want to 
give them the translation of the chant? Yeah, not the, not the original. Uh, in English, it translates literally as poop log, poop turon, hazelnuts and cottage cheese. If you don't poop, well, I'll hit you with a stick. Poop log. <laughs> <laughs> and so once they've beaten Cagatillo with a stick enough times, they'll look under the blanket and see that oh, he's pooped out a bunch of candy and treats and gifts. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's an amazing, wonderful little Christmas tradition. It's wonderful. But that's not the only unusual poop-based Catalan um, Christmas tradition either, is it? No, I was kind of surprised to know that there was more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do, how do you pronounce this? The Caganer? Caganer. Caganer. Yeah, pretty close. So this is um, this is just a uh, it's not a log. It's an actual carved or now you know readily manufactured. Uh, sort of doll figurine mm-hmm. that has dropped its pants and is just pooping. Yeah, and and with the uh, little traditional figurine, there's a little pile of poop beneath his rear end on the ground. So yes. not only is he pooping, he has pooped. And if it's the original version, it looks like a, a Catalan peasant, so he also has that red hat. He's probably smoking a pipe. Um, and these things are designed to be put into the nativity scene as one of the figures <laughs> along with the, the holy family. Yeah, that's great. And a lot of, a lot of Westerners, uh, find that offensive and don't understand that it's, it's not meant even in a joking manner. It wasn't originally. Yeah. It was meant, um, because the Caganer represented things like fertility mm-hmm. or, uh, good fortune or good luck. Yeah. He and his poop did. Yeah. But over time, it's definitely evolved, and now you can find Caganer figures of all sorts of famous people, from Barack Obama to um, the Star Wars crew has a, a, a Caganer collection. Yeah, of course. Uh, did you see it? Well, yeah, I, I saw. I mean, there are all kinds of pop culture icons now with their pants pulled down, pooping. But did you see the the Star Wars one in particular? No, no. Was it good? It, yeah, it's pretty great. C three PO has pooped out a um, a nut, like a bolt nut. <laughs> not a nut like one might traditionally find in a stool. No, no. Like a, not a peanut. Like a walnut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who knew this one was going to be so uh, gross? Yeah, well. I guess we could have guessed. Yeah, you found this stuff, so. Yeah. Um, what else can we mention here? Uh, there was a world's record, of course, on December 10th. I'm sorry, December 2010. Uh, there was a 19-foot pooping figurine. Uh, placed in a shopping center uh, and won the record for uh, world's largest Caganer. Yeah, in Barcelona. Pretty good. Yeah, I looked at a picture. I couldn't find any actual um, specs on it, but by my estimates, the pile of poop is about three feet tall. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the middle of the shopping center, the Mara Magnum Shopping Center in Barcelona. Nice. Well, my sister lives in Portugal now. I'm going to hit her up and see if she's seen any of this action. Yeah, for sure. Ask her to mail us some Caganeres. I'd love one. <laughs> you can order one online. Yeah, yeah, but I'll bet she can get a better deal on one over there. <laughs> uh, should we take a break? No, Josh, we shouldn't. Oh, yeah, we shouldn't. Because as of per tradition, uh, our Christmas mm-hmm. episode is ad-free. It's one a small little thing we like to do. It's ad-free with 100% more Christmas jingles. <laughs> That's right. All right, so let's pile in our sleigh, and let's mm-hmm. head on over and see how Dr. Krampus is doing. Yeah, over in, in the Alps, in the Alpine regions. Yes, of Austria. So um, 
Well, let's talk about Krampus. It's a it's a weird thing, but then it's not any weirder than Santa Claus if you really sure. look at it. Yeah. Or bringing he's, a tree into your home. He's this. Um, no, it's really not, and it, it actually makes a lot of sense too because you know Santa Claus is so good and pure and happy yeah. and joyful, and Krampus is all the opposite. So as as it was put in this one Smithsonian article I read, um, Krampus is the yin to Saint Nick's yang. Yeah. And they actually hang out together, and we should probably describe Krampus a little bit first, huh? Yeah, so here's the legend, is that Krampus shows up, uh, Krampus is sort of a beast of sorts. A demon. Uh, a, de- a demonic, impish beast. With a long tongue and claws. His yeah. name, in fact, is derived from the uh, German word for claw, I believe. Yeah, what's that? Uh... Krampen. Yeah. Oh. Was it that simple? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Krampus, he shows up. He shows up in the town the night before uh, December 6th, which is also known as Krampusnacht, or Krampus night. And uh, that's also Nicholas Taug, or St. Nicholas Day, December 6th is. Right, so they show up on December 5th, the night of the 5th. Yeah, and, you know, like the light in the dark, uh, Krampus is like, no, 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 St. Nick can't just show up. I will show up as well and try and ruin the good time. Right. So what's interesting is like on um, Krampusnacht, the St. Nick goes around and leaves little goodies in the shoes of good kids. Sure. And then birch sticks in the shoes of bad kids, ostensibly for their parents to smack them on the behind with right. for being bad. But there's another level reserved for the truly bad kids. And that's what Krampus is there for. He's there to abduct and torture and potentially eat uh, the uh, really bad kids. So yeah. He's actually going around with St. Nick, visiting people's home. Yeah. Say, so how bad are you? Do you need right. to be uh, tortured and eaten? Are you bad or like <laughs> Krampus level bad? And this harkens back, uh, the first thing I thought of was, of course, our episodes on the Grimm's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. It very much sort of aligns with that, where children are readily offered up as uh, as food for beasts. You know? Mm-hmm. Like no one, no one cared back then. <laughs> no, they they definitely treated their children more harshly for sure. There was uh, a lot more like getting lost in the forest and no one coming to find you going on. Yeah. So Krampus, obviously, over the years, there've been uh, a lot of people who've been like, let's abolish this. This is not in the modern Christmas spirit. Um, he is uh, the son of the Norse god of the underworld, uh, Hell, H E L. And uh, during the 12th century, uh, the Catholic Church tried to ban Krampus. And then more recently in the 1930s, uh, when Austria's conservative Christian Social Party came in, uh, came around, they, they definitely tried to get Krampus outlawed, but people would not have it. They needed their Krampus. Yeah, I mean, Krampus predates Christianity. He has some staying power, you know? He was originally like a, a Germanic um, demon of, of uh, pagan folklore. So, yeah. Yeah. He he would be tough to get rid of, and probably now more so than ever, because some sort of weird Streisand effect apparently happened, and now more people are aware of Krampus than ever before. Yeah. And he's celebrated big time. People love him. Well, there Especially really? people. Oh, yeah, there was. Yeah. Uh, a, a good horror movie. Well, I don't I can't say if it was good. I haven't seen it, but right. it looks good. But he, uh, people who are, who get sick of the holiday spirit being crammed down their throat for, you know, after X number of weeks, Mm -hmm. usually turn to Krampus to kind of find some relief. (laughs) Uh, I looked up this other thing because at the end of this article, it mentions a couple of uh, weird 
things, demons in other countries, Christmas demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one in Greece, uh, Kalakantsorai. Mm-hmm. Did you look that up? Yeah. Yeah, this is crazy. These are little <laughs> impish demons mm-hmm. that speak with a lisp and eat worms and frogs and things. Right. Uh, they only come out at night. They're afraid of the sun, fire, holy water. And then the rest of the year, they live in the center of the earth and attempt to chop down the tree of life. Right. But at Christmas time, they emerge to, to wreak havoc above ground, right? Yeah. And apparently, the one of the, the legends of the uh, Calicansari is that they can only count to two. Did you see that? <laughs> uh, oh, no, I didn't actually, but I'll bet I know where you're going with this. Well, they can only, they, they won't say three because it's a holy number supposedly, so they only count to two. So if you want to guard your home against these little, uh, imps, you mm-hmm. leave a colander on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. So they go mad trying to count the holes. They just go one, two, one, two over and over until they commit suicide. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty standard. It's <laughs> very strange. You know, you know what is strange though too is that, um, that's a, a remedy for protecting yourself against, uh, vampires. The original vampires couldn't count and they would just go nuts trying to count like seeds, I think you were supposed to leave. Oh, outside. that's right. Yeah, I remember but we covered they, that. They were like, they originated in Greece too, I think. Yeah, so, so it's all, Greeks, it's all they have a, sh- a surefire remedy that just works for everything. One size fits all. Yeah. Did you see the one about Danny, the South African ghost boy? <laughs> yeah, that was really, that, this one's just like scary. So if you're, if you're a kid in South Africa, uh, around Christmas time, you need to keep an eye out for the ghost of Danny, who is a little boy who, um, whose grandmother made a batch of cookies for Saint Nick. And Danny just couldn't help himself. He ate the whole batch of cookies. So his grandmother murdered him. And now his ghost haunts Christmas in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird tradition. Yeah, it really drives home that we're at an all-time high in terms of regard for children in the world. Yeah. You know? Yep. We're finally doing it right here in 2016. Yep. No children's, murdered children's ghosts on our watch. <laughs> uh, you ready for the next segment or you want to? I'm so psyched about this one. Let's get in the sleigh. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's ride on over to TV land. Yeah, which exists in our imaginations <laughs> and in uh, Culver City, California. That's right. Uh, of course, we're talking about a Charlie Brown Christmas uh, and just a little bit of its history. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Um, after all these years, I still love watching that show. Yeah, and after all these years is right. It's been on every year since 1965. Yeah. Which actually makes it the second longest running, um, animated cartoon special in history. Yeah. Um, after, it's in second place after, um, Rudolph, which came out the year before and has run every year since as well. The Rankin Bass Rudolph? Mm hmm. Yes. Which is kind of sad. Charlie Brown just can't come in first, but. It's a very it's, Charlie it's also, Brown thing though. Yeah, it's kind of reassuring <laughs> too. Well, that's one of the things I always loved about Charlie Brown and the Peanuts, uh, gang was the, and this article points it out as the melancholy behind it. It was never mm-hmm. just some happy go lucky dumb kids thing. It, there was always just so much melancholy and pathos in right. those characters. It really, look, I don't know, it spoke to me as a kid. Yeah. And so I, I guess the executives at CBS and the ad agency for Coca Cola were expecting something totally different from everything that Charles Schultz had done up to that point with this Christmas special when they ordered it, right? 
Yeah, well, it almost wasn't even ordered. Uh, there was a producer named Lee Mendelson who did a little documentary short about Charles Schultz called A Boy Named Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. And, um, for the first time for that little documentary, they just did a little animation because previous it had been a comic strip. Right. Uh, only. And so they just did a little bit of animation, um, by a guy named Bill Melendez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they put that famous uh, jazz piano score by uh, Vince Guaraldi, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And people saw it, and they were like, hey, maybe this would be a Christmas special. And they said, no. No one wanted it. Yeah, they um, – they, they, uh, somebody, though, heard about this documentary, which apparently was just lost to history pretty quickly, and said, have you guys ever thought of just doing just a straight-up Christmas special? And apparently Lee Mendelssohn heard the first rule of Hollywood, which is you answer yes right. to every question. Yeah, of course. Um, and he said, yes, of course we have. And apparently rung up Charles Schultz the next day. And that next day they had basically all the rough outline points of what would become um, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Yeah. They're like, we need this music because we love it. We want uh, some ice skating. We want a Christmas pageant. Mm-hmm. And we want the theme that... Um, well, sort of a religious theme. Like Charles yeah. Schultz apparently insisted on that. Well, he was, yeah, he was pretty religious. Um, and yeah, he definitely insisted on it. And again, the, the executives who were waiting with bated breath for this thing to be delivered to him were like, this is awful. Like, what's going on here? Like, this is super religious. It's not, it's not hilarious and joyful. It, it's like you said, it has pathos, <laughs> but it's a children's animated Christmas special. Where's the laugh track? They wanted to put a laugh track in. Yes, and they definitely wanted uh, Linus uh, reading from the Bible out. Yeah, they definitely did. And Charles Schultz said, nope, it's staying in. And they also wanted to cast uh, adult voice actors. And uh, it kind of occurred to me that I never knew who did any of those. Mm -hmm. So just four quick shout-outs to some of the characters. Um, Charlie Brown was voiced by Peter Robbins. That these great classic iconic voices were just little kids. Uh, yep. Linus was Christopher Shea, Sally was Kathy Steinberg, and Lucy was Tracy Stratford. And uh, you can go look up the rest of the cast if you want, but that would be weird if we read out like 18 people. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the other kids actually, so the ones you named were professionals. The other kids were actually neighborhood kids in Bill Mendelson, the animator and director's neighborhood. Yeah. So they were like not just kids, they were legit kids. And, um, not fake going, Hollywood kids. <laughs> right, exactly. Who are actually like 35 or 40. Yeah. Um, the, the, but the, uh, the use of kids was unusual for sure. And they hadn't really thought it through from what I saw because some of these kids were so young that they didn't know how to read yet. Like the kid who played Linus didn't know how to read. So he had to be told what lines to say. Yeah. Because he couldn't read the script. Yeah, and Snoopy actually was the one, only one not voiced by a kid. He was voiced by um, the animator himself. Right. So that's kind of neat. And it was a huge hit, despite the uh, the doubtful uh, nature of the of the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a big hit on Thursday, December 9th, nineteen sixty five. It was seen literally by half of the audience available in the country. Yes, almost half. Yeah, basically everyone who had their TV set turned on at, I think, 8 o'clock or whatever on that date um, watched it in the entire country. That's pretty astounding. And it's like you said, it's the exact opposite of what the execs thought was going to happen. They thought it was going to air once and then just be gone. 
Yep, it won a Peabody. It won a uh, Emmy Award. Mm-hmm. Um, this really says something about the time. It finished second place only to Bonanza, which really says that Americans loved Bonanza. Man, they really did. I watched it. You watched Bonanza? I never did. Sure. I just I mean, thought it, reruns. it looked... Yeah, I never got into it. Well, I mean, you were... It was probably not... Uh, it was a little hokey for your, your taste, probably, by that point. A little. You, were more, sophi- hokey. you were more sophisticated. <laughs> I was a very sophisticated eight-year-old. <laughs> I wore a cravat. Uh, and here are a couple of interesting tidbits about the Charlie Brown Christmas. Is um, There have been s- some scenes cut throughout the years, uh, notably um, sponsorship inserts, mm-hmm. uh, notably Coca-Cola, even, had a full-on Coca-Cola sign animated into the show that Linus is thrown into, and um, they cut that out after, I'm not sure how long, it said several times, is, is I guess, the, just the first few years, and yeah. then they cut that Coca-Cola sign out of there. Yeah, because other advertisers were like, what the heck, we're, we're Pepsi. Where's my sign? We're Royal Crown Cola. We don't want to <laughs> advertise on your Coca-Cola ad. Uh, what else? There was something else that wasn't added until 1997, right? Well, uh, they had cut out um, the Peanuts gang throwing snowballs at a can on a fence right. scene um, to make room for more ads, and it wasn't restored until 1997. Man. Yeah. Well, they did the right thing. Yeah, that's an important part. Uh, and I'll be watching it this year and every year to come till I die. For sure. Charles. Yes. Charles. It would not be our Christmas special if we didn't teach people how to make booze in new and interesting ways. Yeah, this has become a bit of a tradition around here. Oh, yeah. A holiday drink. Oh, yeah. Have you had this uh, one? I cannot wait to make this one. No, I haven't had it yet. Yeah, so so you always follow through. I don't. Yeah. Although I have to say I've still not had a hot buttered rum. Yeah, see, my whole problem comes... It's an effort thing. Like I get out the bottle of bourbon, and mm-hmm. then I'm just like, "Oh, well, I'll just pour this." <laughs> I really, I really don't even need a glass. I can cut my hand and, and lick bourbon from it. Yeah, it's it's. I, I should really put in the effort. This uh, this one does sound like a little bit of effort until you really think about it. It's not that bad. So so down in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. it gets so hot that you wonder, do they know it's Christmas time at all? Yes, yes, they do, actually. <laughs> um, and in, in the Caribbean, in Jamaica in particular, there is a drink, uh, a refreshing cold punch called sorrel punch um, that apparently screams Christmas. It's part and parcel with Christmas down there. But again, since it's hot, they need something that's cool and refreshing. So we're going to go with Jamaican sorrel punch this year as the Christmas drink because it sounds pretty great. All right. Well, um, should we just start with the ingredients? Yeah, and we should we should say uh, the first ingredient, sorrel, can be really confusing um, up here in the states. Yeah, what, what's the deal there? So sorrel is apparently a part or a flower of the hibiscus plant. Okay, but it's not what those of us in the United States would think of as the hibiscus flower. It's okay, a different flower, and you can't use hibiscus flowers, or you'll you die. To, <laughs> you'll be haunted by Danny. Uh, the 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 you want to use straight up. Dried sorrel plant flowers. Okay. Um, and you can actually find them online for like five, six bucks on like Amazon. Or if you're, uh, if you have an international market, um, you can probably find them there in that whole like cellophane dried 
um, herb section from other parts of the world. Okay. They're probably going to be there. But you want to start with those. All right. A couple ounces? Yep. All right. That sounds good. I can do that. So, uh, you want to get some fresh ginger? I can definitely sh- do that. You should be able to find that anywhere. You want to make two one-inch cubes peeled and then finely chop them. Mm-hmm. Three cloves is a good good next ingredient. Yeah, I can taste it in my head. Yeah, it's it's got like kind of Christmassy spices. And then this guy didn't use this um, this in his recipe, but uh, I also saw that you could at this point add uh, orange peels without the pith. You never want to use the pith okay. with an orange peel um, and cinnamon sticks. And you take all these things and you put them in a heat proof bowl. Mm-hmm. And you uh, boil five cups of water in a saucepan. Okay. And pour it over the sorrel mixture. Okay. So basically what you're doing is making a sorrel tea because you let it steep for at least four hours or overnight. You're putting together your roux. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. I would say tea is closer than roux. At the mother point. batch. There you go. You're making the mother batch. None of these things are applicable. So you let you let the mother batch tea roux sit overnight Mm -hmm. and just steep right oh yeah and then you want to make a simple syrup yeah i mean uh, i would say if you make your own central simple syrup if you have your own favorite recipe you can just use that right sure yeah it doesn't have to be special no it doesn't have to be special you just want to make a one-to-one simple syrup and uh since this is the caribbean you probably want to just go with demerara that raw brown not brown sugar but brownish in color but uh, demerara sugar um, is probably a good one to use. But you make a simple syrup. Not a complicated syrup. No. A simple you, syrup. You get yourself some good amber rum. Yeah. I would recommend getting the good stuff because this is Christmas, guys. Yeah, it's once a year. Uh, and then you add, for, you, you take the tea that you've let steep for four hours or overnight. Mm-hmm. And you strain out the ingredients in there. Yeah. So you just have the tea. And then you add to it the simple syrup and the rum. Mm-hmm. Stir it up, little darling. Nice. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you add some ice cubes, and then garnish with lime and orange slices. All right. So as far as the amounts, we're talking a couple of ounces of the sorrel uh, flour. Uh, we already said that the how much ginger? Three whole cloves, five and three quarters cups water, three quarters cup of sugar for your syrup. One and a half cups of amber rum, a little more if you're, you know. <laughs> yeah, to taste. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, garnish at will. Yep. That sounds delicious. Go. I might have to make that this year. I cannot wait, man. I, I have the sorrel ordered. Oh, you do already? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, well. I'm making it up. All right. Maybe okay. you can bring it to our... Our holiday sauna party. You got it. I'll bring. I'll, I'll have added rue to it. <laughs> Some flour. <laughs> yeah. Flour and butter. It's just floating in clumps. In oh the man, that sounds good. Yeah. All right. So let's hop back in the sleigh. It's uh, it cooled off a bit because that took longer than I thought. Yeah. So let's heat this sucker back up and head okay. over to another part of the internet. All right, so we're back. Uh, we're out of the sleigh and into the frying pan. Actually, that's not true. Because that, <laughs> that made it sound like we were about to cook something. <laughs> you are in a silly mood today, aren't you? I am. I think I've, I think I've mentally gone on vacation. You're giddy with delirium. I am. Totally. I like it, man. Uh, you should mentally go on vacation a lot. <laughs> good. It's a good, it's a good fit. Um, 
So we're going to talk a little bit about Mrs. Claus. It sort of occurred to me when we were putting this together. I was like, you know what? You hear about St. Nick all the time. And nowadays you see his wife in the photo some. But where did she come from? Who is this woman? And I didn't know, but she has not been around the entire time. Santa used to be very much the batch. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. This article puts it as kind of a loner, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. But yeah, he he uh, was given a wife finally for the first time in 1849. And there's an American author named James Reese. And apparently there's an author named James Reese that's working today. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's hogged up all of the Google search engine pages. Uh. Cannot find any mention of the other one. But there was apparently an author named James Reese who wrote a short story entitled The Christmas Legend. And uh, it was published in 1849. Yeah, I wonder... What gave him the right, don't get me wrong, I love it, but why did he get to say, like, you know what, I'm going to just write in a Mrs. Claus? I, I guess literary license. Yeah? Yeah. So is it canon? <laughs> did this I, get approval from I, I guess George Lucas? <laughs> I think that just gets worked out over time, you know? Yeah, I guess so, probably, huh? If but enough Mrs. people buy into it. Yeah. Although it sounds like she was kind of a device that that he used because he, he out of necessity, because in the story, Mister and Missus Claus are like delivering presents to a family, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there is no Mister and Missus Claus. It was really a friendly couple that the family was friends with who had dressed up as Mister and Missus Claus. Yeah, the the burn bombs, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. They, the, the guy turns out to have no imagination whatsoever for a short story writer. Uh, yes, but she did stick, uh, a little bit, and then she really started sticking, um, in later years. She started kind of popping up more and more in magazines mm-hmm. and stories. Uh, and then she showed up in a big way in a, in a picture book mm-hmm. by Catherine Lee Bates. And this is when she really took hold. Yeah. And everyone was like, hey, I love Santa having a wife. She's super cool. She's a strong lady. She is uh, the woman behind the man mm-hmm. and the backbone of that whole operation. Right. And who can argue with that? N- nobody. I mean, everybody liked the fact that Santa had finally settled down. <laughs> he wasn't just uh, sowing his oats across the world in, right. chi- in chimneys all over the world. Right. <laughs> Seriously, baby, I'll give you a ride in my sleigh. <laughs> You know something that struck me that I hadn't really realized, Chuck? Mrs. Claus does not have an official first name. Well, I looked into that. Did you? No. Did you find one? Uh, apparently, with artistic license, you can just name her whatever you want. Right. Okay. That's what I found as well. And they're like, you know, Monica, Erica, Martha, yep. Yep. Jessica. Martha, Martha, which apparently is a typo. Was it? I, I don't know. Maybe. I wasn't sure. I didn't know if that was just a variation. No, I'm sure it was a variation now, but at the time it was probably a typo. Oh, gotcha. So like, I was like, the printer oh. didn't have an R, so they were just like, eh. Right, exactly. It's fine. Just forget the R. It's uh, the 1920s. <laughs> no one cares. Sandra, that Sandra Claus, that sort of rings yeah, that, a little bit. Who would yeah. you pick? Who, who? What's your favorite? Probably Rita. That's what I was going to go with. Yeah, um, or Mary. Mary Claus? Yeah. Yeah. But because, I mean, also you could say Mary like M-E-R-R-Y. Oh, sure. The one I do not agree with, I should say the two I do not agree with, 
are Monica and Jessica. Those <laughs> yeah. are not Mrs. Claus' names. <laughs> Monica Claus? Yeah. That's weird. It's a little odd. Nothing nothing against the name Monica, but just for Mrs. Claus? Come on. Yeah, Even I Monica's agree. can agree with that one. Yeah, I think so. And then Jessica, that's just too... too that's Jessica Rabbit's name. That, that has no business being part of Mrs. Claus. Agreed. Charles, mm-hmm. you found something else great on the internet that I just found very heartening. Yes. It is a, it's a way. Oh, oh, oh sorry, warning, hold on. warning. Right. Jingle, 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 <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. Yes, parents, you may not want to, your kids to hear this part. It is not dirty and filthy or weird in any way, but uh, depending on how you run Christmas in your household, if you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. we just want to give you fair warning. So we'll give you. Let's just do a little Christmas music for like five seconds. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. All right. Hopefully uh, you are not a psychopath and you got rid of any little kids who still believe. Yes. And hopefully Jerry inserted the music from the movie Psycho instead of Christmas music. (laughs) (laughs) That would be wonderful. Um, yeah, because people would be like, "What are they? What, what happened?" <laughs> What's going they wouldn't on understand here? <laughs> it until we came back. Uh, so, all right, so I, I found this thing. This is actually new this year. Um, on uh, the social meds, this lady named Charity Hutchinson mm-hmm. had a Facebook post that has really taken off. Last I looked uh, earlier, it was, geez, had about thirty thousand likes, um, and has been shared quite a few times. And she had a solution in her family on what the conundrum parents face by lying to their children, bald-faced lying for years, right. about the existence of a real human Santa Claus as a person. Right. So she, I guess, tried this with her oldest, her firstborn, recently. And they bought within it. Within the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. They fell for it, her client's anger. And in a way, it, it's a really great thing to do, but at the same time, you're basically, you're getting out of one lie by creating another different lie, right? Oh, not really. Okay, all right. Well, let's let everybody judge for themselves. Let's describe <laughs> this, okay? Okay. So, so Charity uh, says that you start off by taking your kid out for coffee. I didn't realize that was a thing that you do with kids these days. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. But apparently it is. So you yeah. take your kid out for coffee. Or wherever. Start, start maybe a, um, a milk. Sure. Uh, yeah. We'll just go with one of those two. Um, but you take your kid out and you just basically say, hey, you know what? I've noticed you doing a lot of really great, kind, compassionate things this year. For example, this and that. And the time you beat up that bully who pushed down that smaller kid, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. The the time you laid on that bird who had no chance of surviving without its mother. Mm-hmm. Just some nice stuff, right? And uh, you say, you know, son or daughter, I think you have become compassionate enough and old enough to become a Santa Claus. And you drop your mic. Right. And you leave your kid in Starbucks and you just walk down the street feeling good about yourself. <laughs> you get in your car, you drive off to California to start a new life with a new name. So, <laughs> so no, you say, I want you, you're old enough to become Santa Claus. And then your kid is like, what? Yeah. And you say, get ready for your mind to be blown, kid, because guess what? Here's the deal with Santa. Santa is a construct. <laughs> sort yes. of. 
kind of? Uh, basically, is what, what you're trying to do is say, you can become Santa, because Santa is someone who just um, very kindly and unselfishly gives something to others anonymously. Yeah, it's a, it's it be, being Santa is it, anybody could be Santa as yeah. long as you are want to give to people just for the sheer joy of making other people happy. Exactly. That, is Santa. And anybody who does that can be Santa. And so, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you try starting starting it out uh, this year? Like, just pick somebody that you know and like mm-hmm. and say, find out without them knowing what's going on, something that they really want. And then go get it for them mm-hmm. and wrap it up and leave it for them. But here's the key. You have to say that it's from Santa on the little card or tag and you can never tell them that it was you. That's pretty great. Yeah, and she she backs it up by making the point that being Santa is not about getting credit. It's about just giving for the joy of giving and making other people happy. So well, yeah. you just never tell. So that in that way you become Santa. Yeah, and it gives the kid all these lessons, you know, understanding about what's going on. Uh, around the world and in their own neighborhood, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, this article says it gives them providence over their own innocence. It's a great point, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, she said that it works so great with her older kid. Now that kid is in on it, yep. trying to help the, the, the new batch <laughs> about to lose their recruits. innocence. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's a cool it's idea. I, the thing is, Chuck, and, and uh, I, I, I don't, maybe you know and I don't, but is there some standard way that besides this that people recommend breaking the news to kids or well i don't know about a standard but there's lots of different opinions on that um i put up a facebook post tangentially tangentially mm-hmm. related to this and people were just kind of throwing out their ideas and one of them i think they got the most likes was this guy that was like he does has never described santa as a person he said he has always, from the beginning, described Santa as a, um, like I said, as a construct. As you don't say construct to your three-year-old, but <laughs> you, um, as just a part of the Christmas spirit. It's a thing and not a person yeah. who literally comes to your house. And he was like, I can't tell any difference. Like they love that just as much as I did, thinking it was a real guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, they see the Christmas specials and they get. That it's a made-up thing, but it's just a, a part of the the whole idea of Christmas. Right. So he was just kind of, kind of truthful about the whole thing. Yeah. And they're still delighted with Santa, and when they see Santa in the mall, they aren't like, "You're a construct." <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be great. It would be. <laughs> you some part of you would be pretty proud of your kid for that. Yeah, I think it was interesting though. I mean, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, so I got to think this over. Yeah, because, I mean, there's probably parents listening right now that are like, oh, man, yeah, I don't want to do this. But this is a pretty good out. So, everybody, give Charity Hutchinson a pat on the back. All right, Chuck, it's almost time for Sorrel Punch. That's right. We're going to wrap it up here. We uh, crowdsource some uh, Facebook Traditions from our listeners. I asked for specifically unusual traditions, and I waded through waded through the ninety percent that were not unusual in any way, <laughs> mm-hmm. and managed to find some pretty interesting things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was 
I, I don't know what percentage. I didn't see what percentage of the, uh, the actual ideas submitted this is, but some people have some pretty cool little traditions that I just love. Agreed. So you want to start? Yeah. So uh, Victoria Kroom, she says that on her father's side of the family, he was, um, I think he was Polish, uh, has Polish roots. And so in order to honor their Polish roots every year, their father makes a pauper's meal mm-hmm. for Christmas Eve instead of, you know, it's a big, lavish, extravagant thing. They made uh, sauerkraut soup and pierogies and re- the most reasonable priced cold water fish available. Yeah, because it, it kind of honors like the humble roots that their their family has. Yeah, that's great. So Victoria Kroom, uh, good on you for that one. Nice. So how about Emily Ruth Vander Arks? Yes, that, this is actually a lot of people had this. So this is a thing. So his, her mom um, hides a pickle ornament mm-hmm. on the Christmas tree somewhere, right? And on Christmas morning, everybody tries to find it. Whoever finds it first gets a gift. And Emily said that uh, it started out just being like, oh, hey, here's a piece of chocolate. Mm, yeah. And, and the person would just be like, just throw it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but she said that it's gotten better over the years. So now it's like up to like a Starbucks gift card. Which, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of people with this pickle thing, though. So obviously it's a thing. Um, and well, she I, said, I bet it's regionalized. She said that her husband is a master ace at finding the pickle now. Yeah. And he wins it every year. So champ pickle finder. Emily's husband. Emily's husband. So thanks. Emily Ruth Vander Ark. That's a great name. Yep. Uh, Jessica Evans Toten, Totten. Uh, this is pretty good. I love weird dads. Um, after my parents got divorced, my dad was in charge of getting and wrapping uh, his own Christmas presents for me and my three older sisters, and he had a hard time knowing what to get us, so he made a tradition of buying us a Barbie doll every year, along with a gift receipt, and he called it a creative gift card. <laughs> I just love that. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, I know you're going to take this back, but here, here's something at least. And he also um, has a really fun time rejecting um, traditional Christmas wrapping, right? So yeah. he would just put it in a garbage bag uh-huh. for him. <laughs> I love this and guy. And then apparently in his older years, he's like, I can I can do better than this. So now he goes to like uh, thrift stores and vintage shops and finds old carpet bags or old briefcases. That's awesome. And puts them in there. Yeah, that which is really that's cool. Which super 80s, like delivering a Barbie doll in a briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he's still doing it. They still get the Barbie. They're well into adulthood now, she points out, and uh, he still gets them the Barbie every year. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool thing. And uh, Mr. Evans, if that is your name, sir, I salute you. Yep. So uh, Catherine Joy Figley. Yeah, this is a good one. She said that her husband's family um, wraps presents. They also reject traditional Christmas paper, wrapping paper. So they they kind of have like a friendly competition or theme going where they find the weirdest thing they can wrap it in. Yeah, so my like, my favorite is the uh, unused diaper. Yeah. That's good. My favorite's birthday wrapping paper. Oh, yeah? I like it. Subversive? It, it is, extremely. Because <laughs> uh, it's saying, like, yeah, I'm going to use wrapping paper. I'm just not going to use it for this particular holiday. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So uh, that's from Catherine Joy Figley. Keep that going. All right, Chuck, there's uh, this cat named Nick Meller. Yes. Who has a great uh, Christmas morning tradition with his mom, who he calls his mum, so he probably spells color with a U. I think it's a lady, too. Nick? Oh, it could be Nicole, I guess. Yeah, huh? I think she's uh, from Australia. 
Oh, okay. Well, every Christmas morning, this would actually make a lot of sense that she would be from Australia. Every Christmas morning, her mom and uh, she get up very early and they go to the beach. And this is where the Australian clue it kicks in before the hordes of people get there. Uh, These are not very popular in the northern hemisphere no. in in Christmas time. But um, she says that they grab a bottle of uh, champagne and a huge bucket of cherries, and that's what they have for breakfast. Yeah, that's so that's neat. Great Christmas tradition. Uh, let me see this one. I love Tanya Floyd Ellis. Uh, growing up, my mom and father in law, my grandpa would pass to each other a bah humbug can. Uh, they both relish disgusting uh, and, dis- sorry, and disguising the can. Don't worry, it gets disgusting. Right. Uh, to make it unrecognizable as a wrap present, and uh, some of the more memorable additions to the can, like you put junk in it, was uh, a year's worth of Grandpa's toenails uh, in there. That <laughs> was yeah. very nice. A pile of dog poop gathered in January and left to cure until the next December. Uh, a clump of ketchup packets held together by one broken packet now acting as glue. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Tanya Floyd Ellis. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, all right. So how about Sarah Floramonte's Christmas tradition? Yes. So every uh, year on Christmas Eve, her whole family has a, an ice cream eating contest with all of her cousins. <laughs> yeah. So whoever can finish a half a gallon of ice cream within an hour, and here's the key, without throwing it up. Wins a substantial amount of cash, she says. She doesn't say how much. She does use the word substantial. So she says that it's nearly impossible to do this, and it's only been done three times before out of probably a 100 attempts. I'm thinking that they haven't been doing this for a century, but just if you take the number of people who've tried it over the years, yeah. you come up with a 100, she means? Yeah, I think so. She says that a lot of people can finish but not hold it down, and that's mm. where that key comes in. So <laughs> there's a lot of uh, vomiting going on at Sarah Floramonte's house on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and she posted uh, pictures, too. She posted a couple, one of the entire family sitting around with each with a gallon, half gallon of ice cream in front of them, <laughs> and then one of uh, a couple of people doing that with her, her grandmother just like... <laughs> Bitter and staring yeah. at them. <laughs> she said her grandmother hates it, so they're going to do it yeah. as long as she's around. It's very nice. <laughs> uh, here's one from Norma uh, Mullen that's really, really neat. This is not gross or anything. Uh, our family has a tablecloth that goes on the Christmas dinner table every year, and everyone signs it with a fabric pen. And uh, they've been doing this since 1994. So they, they use the same tablecloth, and they're able to look back every year mm-hmm. and uh, look at all these memories and... Uh, along with obviously people they've lost over the years and people that they've gained over the years. So that is just super cool. It's older than most of her cousins and, uh, she can see how much their family has grown year by year. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really nice. Uh, and then how about Ryan Bradfield's? Yeah, that's a good one. Ryan Bradfield's mom's family, who he says is a large Sicilian bunch, they have a wind-up E.T. toy that they got in the 80s, and somehow it just became family tradition for them to dress up the E.T. doll as different characters. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they use it as a Christmas tree topper for their grandparents' tree. Yeah, that's pretty great. So E.T.'s been like Elvis, NBA player, Dolly Parton. Your favorite. Yeah, a showgirl. And it turns out, obviously, um, weirdly, but uh, one of Bradfield's cousins married a member of the, or a friend, I guess, of the Spielberg family. So they're trying to get them pictures of the E.T. dressed up over the years. I'm sure no one's ever tried to get Steven Spielberg a funny E.T. picture. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This one is very sweet. This is from Holly Henderson of Portland. 
she and her husband bought their first house four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, just outside of Portland. And on the very first night there, on Christmas Eve, they spent the night in a mattress on the floor uh, next to the Christmas tree. And she says, now we do that every year. We bring that mattress back in the living room uh, on Christmas Eve and sleep on the mattress by the tree. That is very sweet. Lovely. And then the last one, Chuck, how about Chelsea Allen Lindsay's? Oh, yeah, the Christmas rutabaga? Yeah. <laughs> I love weird families. So her family puts a Christmas rutabaga out in the living room along with the tree every year. Uh-huh. And the whole thing started from a car trip when um, they were living in the UK. And she says that her grandparents and her aunt had come to visit one Christmas time. They were all in the car and everything was just going nuts and crazy. And apparently Chelsea's mom started calling the whole thing rutabagas on parade. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, I love her mom. She bought a rutabaga and put it on the dashboard of the car for the rest of the trip. And then when she got home, she made a face for it out of clothes, put cloves, put a wreath on it. And then it became a Christmas rutabaga. Yeah. This is not just weird dads. Weird moms are great too. Sure. Uh, you know, I got one more. Okay. Because I forgot. Michelle Greenwald, I want to be in her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have a holiday they invented called Pajamacas. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think you, I see, you all see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the day before Christmas Eve, even. Uh, and she said it was necessary since we were traveling for Christmas Day and didn't have a day that was dedicated just to the four of us and our family. So Pajamacas goes down like this. It's immediate family. Uh, they get each other uh, pajamas. And change into the pajamas all together. Well, um, <laughs> they're all wearing the pajamas, in other words. Uh, and then they watch Christmas movies and eat breakfast for dinner, which is one of yeah. my favorite things. And it's like a no-holds-barred breakfast for dinner, right? Yes. Yeah, she says they cook all day and have a huge breakfast spread, uh, like latkes, waffles, poached eggs, brioche, you name it. Yeah, whatever you want, you get to have for, yeah. for dinner. I don't know uh, where the Greenwalds are, but... I want to come over for Pajamacus. Yeah, it sounds pretty great. So just invite me, <laughs> and I'll be there. Get me pajamas <laughs> with feet. <laughs> Ooh, those are good. I got nothing else. So, oh, okay. Well, I guess this is the outro then, huh? Yeah. Wow. This is great, Chuck. I mean, it's it's officially now Christmas time for us. That's right. And another wonderful year of Stuff You Should Know, 2016. Uh, we're going to close the books on this one and thank everyone as we do every year for your support. Because without you, there would be no us. And we really, really don't take that for granted. And actually, a very special birthday shout out. I know people that are born around Christmas always get gypped off in the birthday department. But one of our most delightful and oldest, most supportive fans, uh, Ms. Gail Kuntz. It's her birthday on Christmas Eve, and her husband, Mark, was kind enough to email me because he knows what a big fan she is. And Gail is wonderful, so happy birthday, Gail, from Ohio. You're the best. Hope we can all meet up someday. And uh, sounds good, right? Yep. So happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Tip Top Tet. All that jazz. <laughs> you guys have yourselves a wonderful holiday season. From all of us here at Stuff You Should Know. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.